Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. And welcome to the Arinia year-end 2020 financial results conference call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. If anyone wants to require operator assistance, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It's now my pleasure to turn the call over to Glenn Shulman, Senior Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Kevin, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. I'm pleased to welcome you to today's call discussing Arinia's fourth quarter and year-end financial results. Joining me on the call this afternoon are Peter Greenleaf, President and CEO of Arinia, Neil Solomons, our Chief Medical Officer, Max Galau, Chief Commercial Officer, and Joe Miller, our Chief Financial Officer. This afternoon, uh, just after 4 p.m., we issued a press release announcing our financial results and recent operational highlights, which is accessible from our website at www.areniapharma.com and has been filed on a Form 8K with the SEC as well. We also filed our financial statement and management's discussion and analysis in our annual report on Form 10K. I'd like to remind everyone that today's call is being webcast live on Arinia's Investor Relations website, and a replay will be available approximately two hours after the completion of today's call. Please also note that the content of today's call is the property of Arinia. It may not be recorded, reproduced, or transcribed without prior written consent obtained from Arinia. For approval, please feel free to reach out to me, Glenn Shulman, via email at ir at areniapharma.com. Also, during the course of this call, we may make forward-looking statements based on our current expectations. These forward-looking statements are subject to a number of significant risks and uncertainties, and our actual results may differ materially. For a discussion of factors that could affect our future financial results in business, please refer to the disclosure in our press release and our annual report on Form 10-K, which is publicly available along with our most recent filings of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and Canadian Securities Authorities. Also, please note that all the statements made today uh, during our call are current as of today, February 24th, 2021, and are based upon information currently available to us. Except as required by law, we assume no obligation to update any such statements as of this date. With all of that, let me now turn the call over to Peter Greenleaf, Arrhenius President and CEO. Peter? Oh, thanks, Glenn, and thank you all for joining our call today. Uh, today's agenda is pretty straightforward, folks. This afternoon, we'll be recapping what was a very busy fourth quarter of 2020 for the company, sharing an update on what's happening just 23 business days post-approval and launch of Loop Kinus, as well as what's next as we continue to introduce this product to healthcare professionals and patients in the U.S. market. Of course, we will also provide an update on where we're at financially as we close out the year. We all know launching a product is obviously not simple as flipping a switch or pushing a button. The fourth quarter was quite busy with label negotiations, launch readiness prep, our internal launch meeting, and preparing to ship the product to the U.S. market. We were also hard at work finalizing important long-term agreements to shore up our ability 
to deliver and market Lupkinus well beyond launch and to expand the product into global markets around the world. On December 15, 2020, we announced a collaborative agreement with Lanza to build a dedicated manufacturing capacity within the company's existing small molecule API facility in Vis, Switzerland. The dedicated facility provides cost and production efficiency for the manufacturer of Vakosporin while expanding existing capacity and providing supply security to meet future commercial demand. Just two days later, on December 17th, we finalized and announced an ex-US partnership with, with Atsuka Pharmaceuticals, a company with a strong nephrology expertise to develop and market Vakosporin in both Europe and Japan. These actions ensure that we can take Vakosporin to even higher levels beyond the US and focus on it moving to a global product, all the while increasing the overall value of the compound and its global potential. As part of the agreement, Arinia received an upfront payment of 50 million US dollars and has the potential to receive an additional 50 million US dollars in regulatory and reimbursement milestones. And as you'll recall in the back end of the deal, post-market approvals we share in double-digit royalties and a cost-plus manufacturing relationship with our partner. Through this partnership, Arini is working closely with Atsuka to ensure successful outcomes with the EU and with Japanese regulatory authorities. In fact, Arini and Atsuka have already met with the EMA, along with our rapporteur and co-rapporteur in early January, and we remain on target to file the Vakosporin MAA in the first half of 2021. We are also working with Atsuka to execute an optimal strategy for inter interacting with and submitting a Vakosporin application to the Pharmaceuticals and Medical Devices Agency, or PMDA, in Japan. All of this, of course, has been happening in the midst of the U.S. launch. Max Kalau will provide more specifics on the commercial team's progress to date, but it's safe to say we're right on track with where we want to be with Lupkinus out of the gate. Of course, post-approval, the company doesn't just stop and wait for the sales and marketing team to do their magic. The clinical and research and development teams remain hard at work finalizing the Aurora Primary Data Manuscript publication, which we estimate during the first half of the year. Also, continuous data display opportunities at upcoming major medical meetings and working on to meet post-marketing obligations, as well as, in addition, preparing for pediatric and adolescent studies with Vakosporin to begin this year. Furthermore, the Aurora II blinded two additional year extension trial remains on track, and we anticipate achieving database lock by the end of 2021 and reporting out top line results in the first quarter of 2022. Lastly, we continue to evaluate options to further leverage development of Vakosporin in new areas that strengthen our base LN indication. We also do work to bolster our IP portfolio and strive to drive new innovation within our development pipeline through externalization and business development work. I'm deeply impressed with everyone at the, on the Arinia team and their ability to remain adaptable and fluid as we operate through the pandemic in this unprecedented winter weather we've seen. 
and we expect that things will only get better as the conditions improve and we begin to see a return to quote-unquote normalcy. I will now turn the call over to Max Kalau, our Chief Commercial Officer, who will provide you some more detail about the commercial team's activities. After that, our CFO, Joe Miller, will provide an update on the fourth quarter and year-end financial results. So with that, let me turn the call over to Max Kalau. Max? Thank you, Peter, and good afternoon, everyone. So I'm happy to share with you what we've achieved over the past month since our approval and launch. And I might begin by saying that this is actually the 13th launch in my career. I guess that's a pretty good number, and uh, if nothing else, it just proves that I'm old. But I'm making a point because none of the other 12 were amidst an environment as unprecedented as what we all see with the COVID pandemic. There's a lot we've had to do in ways that have never been done before. And as you'll hear in a minute, the commercial team has stepped up to this challenge in a very admirable way. Of those 13, this is the fourth time I've launched the transformative therapy for a rare disease. As many of you know, the market dynamics that drive such are a world apart from launching a therapy for a larger patient population. Those dynamics haven't changed, even amidst COVID. So while I can certainly appreciate everyone's interest in hearing comments related to prescription counts, I'm sure you can appreciate that such numbers at this early stage and amidst this environment can't provide a good indicator of market response. Even so, I will say that we've been genuinely pleased with the level of initial prescription volume. The numbers are tracking to our expectation. In fact, if anything, they're a little ahead of what we were anticipating. We feel positive about the very initial, very early initial trend. And we will certainly be in a position to share more details around this obviously important metric on our next call. In the meantime, today, it is entirely reasonable to highlight, even at this early stage, our progress in executing our strategy. Just to refresh, our strategy has four planks. Establish loop kindness as the standard of care. Ensure LN patients receive optimal outcomes. Ensure there are no delays in the diagnosis of LN. And critically, ensure that patients can gain access to loop kindness. Achieving all four of these strategic objectives is critical to the success of Lupinus. What we've achieved in a short amount of time showcases our ability to execute strongly towards these goals. Lupinus was approved late on Friday, January 22nd. Arrhenia Alliance was online right early on Monday following the approval and receiving prescriptions within 15 minutes. 72 hours later, Lucinus was in the channel. Our field team was fully trained and deployed within hours of approval. Interestingly, so far, 70% so far, 70% of our sales calls have not been virtual. 70% have been live and in person. Fully complete think that in the context of COVID restrictions, this high ratio of in-person calls confirms very robust interest on the part of physicians. It also speaks 
to the incredible dedication and tenacity of our team. Talk about not letting rain, snow, sleet get in the way. We all know what the weather's been like, and this team is powered on to make and keep appointments with great energy and commitment. Reports from our field indicate that the physician response to leukinus has been very positive. As I've discussed before, ours is not a team of novices. They're very experienced. They know the stakes are high for us as a company and for them as individuals to hold back on sharing genuine feedback from the field. In fact, our team has seen many physicians actually identify patients in real time during the sales call who are likely candidates for leukemia. That degree of specificity and thought is obviously encouraging. We've completed over 3,000 calls on healthcare professionals so far, reaching more than 20% of our prescriber base. These include not only individual practitioners, but clinical staff at lupus clinics, which are starting to get set up for leukinus prescribing. We've also completed interactions with payers, covering 190 million lives. And when we complete our upcoming scheduled meetings, we will have met with payers representing 75% of the nation's insured lives. Yes, that's 75% of insured lives in just four weeks since launch. That really does speak to intense and skillful execution. Finally, but very importantly, the early patient awareness and response to our launch has been incredibly gratifying. In fact, I'll close by sharing with you two posts from social media that I think say it all. The first says, thank you, thank you, thank you. My sister died many years ago as a result of complications from lupus nephritis. This means that other families may not have to go through that wrenching experience. Another post begins, thanks to the Almighty, finally, he has answered many people's prayers. Thank you, Arinia Pharma. Happily, this is very typical of the comments that we're seeing and hearing through Arinia Alliance and other venues. These responses not only continue to inspire us, but they also confirm the confidence we have that our vigorous, accelerated execution of our strategy is creating a highly fertile environment for an extremely successful launch. Thank you, and I look forward to further updates. I'll now turn it over to Joe for a review of the financials. Joe? Thank you, Max, and good afternoon, everyone. As of December 31st, 2020, Arenia had cash, cash equivalents, and investments of 423 million compared to 306 million at December 31st, 2019. Net cash used in operating activities was 69.9 million for the year ended December 31st, 2020, compared to 63.6 million for the year ended December 31st, 2019. The company believes that it had sufficient financial resources to fund its current operating plans, which include funding commercial launch activities, manufacturing and packaging of commercial drug supply, and conducting our plan R&D programs into at least 2023. For the year ended December 31st, 2020, Arenia recorded a consolidated net loss of 102.7 million or 87 cents per common share. Revenues were 50.1 million and 300,000 for the years ending December 31, 2020 and 2019 respectively. 
The increase of $49.8 million in 2020 was due to the upfront license payment received from Matsuka of $50 million, recorded as licensing revenue in the fourth quarter of 2020. Research and development expenses decreased to $50.3 million for the year ended December 31, 2020, compared to $52.9 million for the year ended December 31, 2019. The primary driver of the decrease of $2.5 million in R&D spend in 2020 was a decrease in drug manufacturing and supply costs, lower contract research organization, CRO expenses, and other third-party clinical trial expenses, partially offset by an increase in regulatory-related costs as Arenia prepared for FDA approval. Corporate administration and business development expenses increased to $96 million for the year ended December 31, 2020, compared to $22.3 million for the year ended December 31, 2019. The primary driver for the increase of $73.6 million was the build-out of commercial infrastructure in advance of approval, which included an increase in salaries and employee benefits, shared base compensation expense, and professional fees incurred during the year. For the three months ended December 31, 2020, Arenia recorded a consolidated net loss of $8.1 million, or $0.05 cents per common share. Revenues were $50 million and $300,000 for the three months ended December 31, 2020 and 2019, respectively. The increase of $50 million in 2020 was due to the aforementioned upfront license payment received from Matsuka of $50 million. R&D expenses decreased to $13.2 million for the three months ended December 31, 2020, compared to $13.3 million for the three months ended December 31, 2019. The primary drivers for the slight decrease in R&D spend in 2020 was a decrease in drug manufacturing and supply costs, lower CRO expenses, and other third-party clinical trial expenses, partially offset by an increase in regulatory-related costs as Arenia prepared for FDA approval. Corporate, administration, and business development expenses increased to $38.8 million for the three months ended December 31, 2020, compared to $7.3 million for the three months ended December 31, 2019. The primary driver for the increase of $31.5 million in 2020 was the build-out of a commercial infrastructure in advance of our approval, which included an increase in salaries and employee benefits, share-based compensation expense, and professional fees incurred throughout the quarter. With that, I would like to hand the call back over to Peter for some closing remarks. Peter? Hey, thanks, Joe. Thank you, Max. And thank you all for joining us uh, and giving us your time today. With the launch of, of Leukinus underway, we want, to hear you, we want you to hear from us, bottom line, that we're on track with our internal projections for the U.S. launch. Furthermore, with our ex-U.S. partnership with Atsuka, we look forward to working with them to expand into additional territories, including Europe, with the upcoming MAA filing by the first half of the year. 2021 will also be a busy year with continued clinical development and medical presentations surrounding Vacosporin. We also continue to work to enhance value by exploring opportunities to expand our pipeline, and we look forward to providing additional updates in the months and quarters to come. As I stated earlier, we continue to work to enhance value by exploring new opportunities to expand our pipeline. As the launch in the U.S. progresses, we look forward to providing additional updates in the months and quarters to come. So with that, I'd like to open it up to any of your questions. Operator? 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Thank you. We'll now be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to be placed in the question queue, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing star 1. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. Our first question today is coming from Alethea Young from Cancer Fitzgerald. Your line is now live. Hi, this is Emily on for Alethea. Thanks for taking my question. I was wondering how you think about the lupus nephritis patient population in terms of getting treatment during the pandemic. Do you feel like these patients are continuously going to their physicians to get treatment, or do you anticipate maybe a bit of a challenge getting patient motivation? Thank you. Yeah, since we have um, on-the-ground experience with that now, I won't project. I'll ask Max what he's hearing from our field troops. Max, what are we seeing? Yeah, um, thanks Thanks for the question. Yeah, I would say that it's variable across the United States. Um, we are definitely hearing um, of uh, patients that are uh, delaying their visits, uh, but we're also hearing of physicians that are actively engaging their patients, either through telemedicine or getting them in line for, for visits. So we're seeing it's, it's variable across the U.S., but it doesn't take away from, again, um, you know, the effort and our confidence in seeing that the patient opportunity is there. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Ken Cacciatore from Cowan & Company. Your line is now live. Uh, hey guys, just have a couple of questions. Uh, was wondering now that you've had a little bit more managed care engagement, is there any reason to to sharpen um, the the kind of the net pricing that you gave us before of sixty five thousand? Just wanted to know if there's any additional nuance there, and and also in the early goings, just just wondering if patients qualify for a medical exemption or how that's going to be handled. A second question um, I have is uh, just around the the whole process with uh, Arinia Alliance. Are, are you, I know this is going to sound silly, but with some early prescriptions written, how smoothly is the system getting patients to, uh, sorry, getting product to patients and patients to actually um, be able to take the, the medication? Just any early either glitches or successes that you're seeing and, and some nuance there. And then also wondering if you could help us a little bit on spending guidance uh, for the year, some thoughts on that. Thanks so much. 
I'll, uh, it, thanks, Ken. And, and I'll take the, the bookends on this one. I think as it pertains to, um, you know, the, the net price assumptions, it, it's at the end of the day, I think it's too early to tell. Um, policies are, are currently getting put in place. And I think our assumption is still where we where we want to keep it. So we'll keep you tuned as, as things progress. Um, Max, you want to take uh, take the following to the medical exemption yeah, question sure, and the yeah. other? Yeah, and, and I can tell you that in all of our payer interactions, um, the payers have, they've appreciated that um, the clinical and economic burden of LN, they've also appreciated that vocal sporin um, offers more than the standard of care. And they've also appreciated that we're talking about a really small number of patients relative to their covered lives. So, um, so we've been encouraged with our interactions. And I can tell you that we have um, prescriptions that are now reimbursed across every, every payer segment. So we have prescriptions reimbursed on the commercial side, on Medicaid, on Medicare, and also on the federal government. I can also tell you that, that the payers, you know, this is looks to me like uh, any other rare disease launch. We're, you know, going from prescription to kind of uh, working through the adjudication, approvals, and, and finalizing that prescription takes some time. Uh, and definitely we're seeing that as well, very consistent with what, um, you know, what, what you would expect in a rare disease launch. And Joe, you want to take the one on uh, on expense guidance? Yes. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Peter. So uh, as as we've uh, previously spoke, um, the uh, Q4 run rates will uh, are, are fully burdened with kind of the build out of our commercial infrastructure. So if you're kind of uh, looking forward, um, it's probably best to look back at Q4. That'll give you a reasonable estimate about where we'll we'll, we'll trend going forward. Um, we haven't specifically guided to the numbers yet, but that'd be a good target point to kind of look what's going to happen in the, in the uh, future quarters to come. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Our next Kendall. question today is coming from Maury Raycroft from Jeffries. Your line is now live. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for taking my question. So um, first question, I'm not sure how much more you're going to be able to say on this, but just wondering if you can comment generally on the types of patients you're getting on Lupkinus, whether the patients are primarily switches from off-label generics or uh, treatment naive, and if you're getting more uptake in community or academic centers. Any additional perspective on those? Max, jump right in. Sure. So, um, so yeah, it, it, Maury, thanks for the question. Um, it is too early for us to to, to have any um, deep insights on the types of patients that that we're seeing prescriptions for. Uh, we'll definitely have more when um, as we get into our next call. Uh, and uh, tell me, you, the second part of your question was the. Um, academic versus community. So, yeah. so we, we're definitely having more access on the community side. Um, you know, as you as you can um, you know as, as you can expect, academic centers, especially in in heavy COVID areas, are, are pretty locked down. So, uh, but we're making inroads. Uh, we're making inroads across both, but we definitely have better access on the community side. Got it. Thank you. And second question was just on. Um, uh, if you can talk more about the potential to get Cadigo guidelines updated, is this a priority and is it contingent on the phase three data getting published? Uh, Neil, because I know those are in progress. Neil, Dr. Neil Solomons is on the call. So, uh, Neil, you want to give an update on uh, on guidelines, maybe even the manuscript yeah, as well? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, I think it's a good point. I mean, uh, guidelines are clearly helpful, um, you know, and we've been in contact with uh, the, the people who are writing the guideline for, for a few years now. But you're right that it's, uh, it refers to published data only, and that's why um, the uh, sort of rapid publication of our primary management, which is, um, as Peter said in the introduction, is coming fairly soon. Um, is going to, is going to be instrumental, and they kind of, they they will kind of wait wait for peer reviewed um, literature um, in order to update the guidelines. Got it. Okay. Thank you for taking my questions. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Justin Kim from Oppenheimer. Your line is now live. Hi. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking the questions. Uh, just wondering, when you think about the commercial launches progress. Um, just how the team feels about the current commercial team and the footprint the team is able to address during the current environment. I know sort of Max gave some color about how there's, you know, heavy sort of in-person touch points. I'm just wondering how you feel about the size of the team and whether it, it could grow going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what, what we've said previously is we feel very comfortable with how we're deployed against the, uh, um, the opportunity that's out there today, and Max can give more color as to how they're seeing that in interactions. I can tell you from from you know other boards of commercial companies that I sit on, these types of access numbers that we're getting live are are higher, um, qu quite a bit higher than what what we're seeing at at other specialty companies that I work with, and um, so we're encouraged by that. Um, I guess the last thing I would say, and then uh, Max, if you've got any additional comments. Listen, we've got resources that if, if we found there was opportunity to shift a resource to a certain area where we saw we could fuel an opportunity or um, we saw the possibility of needing to expand, um, we could do that. And I think the, the forethought in the, that we put into making sure we had enough cash on the balance sheet to do this launch gives us the ability to make adjustments we have to make. But I think the short answer is we feel we're deployed right. Max, anything you're learning in the first uh, couple of weeks we're out there? Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's right on. I think we've got the right level of deployment. It's so early at this point. It's it's really um, very difficult to to assess otherwise. Got it. Got it. Great. Thank um, Maybe just uh, another one on a sort of macro level. Are you seeing any differences, and you know, based on how you expected conversations between rooms and nephrologists to go? Just wondering, you know, is, is the commercial launch to target rooms? you know, ending up different from sort of your communications with nephrologists? Yeah, Max, I think you can jump right in on that yeah. one. I think the short answer no. is no, but he can give more detail. Yeah, that's it. The short answer is no. We're, we're targeting both specialties. We're targeting about 12,000 physicians across both specialties. And the prescribing that we're seeing is across both specialties as well. Okay, got it. Um, and maybe just a, a final uh, sort of clarification question um, on sort of the OPEX side. I, I know sort of the, the R&D numbers were a little bit sort of, um, you know, variable quarter to quarter. Just wondering, you know, is, is R&D fourth quarter numbers also sort of the right way to think about the, the go-forward spend? Joe Miller? Yeah, thanks for the question. Yeah, so um, you know, as as we kind of noted throughout the uh, the call today, uh, there are continuation studies ongoing. So I would say, you know, directionally, 
um, there'll be a shift in in uh, in R and D related expenses towards other activities. But generally speaking, um, directionally, they'll probably be fairly consistent with what you saw in Q4 going forward. Um, there might be some some timing related differences as a result of uh, when and if when and when we start the trials. But overall, I think directionally, you'd be fairly correct. Got it. Great. Thanks for taking the question. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from David Martin from Bloom Burton. Your line is now live. Yes, uh, thank you for taking the uh, questions. I, I know it's early, but are you seeing that physicians are treating one set of patients with Benlista and another set with Voclosporin, or are physicians making a decision, I'll, I'll treat all my patients with one drug or the other? And if patients are already on Benlista for SLE, are there any cases where they're adding Voclosporin to Benlista? Yeah, so I, I think my answer to both of those would be, uh, you know, it's it's early probably for us to be uh, to be seeing, you know, the trends, and we're not actually out there aggregating, um, you know, data on on where Benlista fits into the treatment paradigm. Um, so let me let me see if Max has been hearing any of this, and it might actually be good to see if Neil has any comment as well. But but I, my my answer would be I don't I don't think we have much of that data at this stage of the game. Max, are you hearing anything? Yeah, look, I it, it, you know I just it's it's yeah we don't it's too early for us to have real insights um, to your questions or good questions. Um, you know, we, we haven't even run market research pulse surveys yet, um, you know, given that we're 23 days into launch. We have many scheduled, but we haven't run any yet, right? So so we'll have more insights as we go along, but it's good questions, but, you know, we're not there yet in terms of that those deep insights. Okay, um, I did have another question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Neil, anything no, from you? No, I was going to add that um, we... Although people talk theoretically, hypothetically about the combination of Benlister and Voxporin, I think um, it's too early. Um, we've not heard an awful lot um, about, about the combination, but um, we may do in the future months or years. Okay, thanks. Uh, Peter, you mentioned post-marketing obligations. Uh, what are those? Uh, what uh, What are you required to do? Yeah, so I mean, there are what we're required to do, and there's what um, you know the FDA has had further questions about that that we can you know sort of formulate a response to and decide whether we're going to do more work on or not. So Neil, do you want to maybe just go into some of that detail? Yeah, in terms of the requirements, um, which are um, which are things that we actually have to do, there's there's presenting the Aurora two uh, final study report next uh, next year. Um, is number one, which of course we're doing anyway. There's a lactation study, and also the uh, pediatric um, adolescent and then pediatric plan as well. We've also got a drug-drug interaction trial, which um, is something the FDA would like to see as well. So we're looking at doing that. Okay, thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you. As a reminder, that star one to be placed in the question queue. Our next question today is coming from Ed Ars from H.C. Wainwright. Your line is now live. Great. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, so, um, firstly, um, I realize, uh, again, this is very early days, as you've mentioned before, 23 days past uh, approval and launch. 
but um, and, and the RX counts can't really provide any good indication just yet. Uh, but wondering, you know, given uh, the variability in, in the early days, do you have a sense for when though that variability may 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 uh, sort of level out and, and therefore start to provide some indication of of, um, of value of what the demand looks like, how far out, um, you know, before the RX counts actually start to um, signal some sort of a trend. Um, and along with that, um, are there uh, any other uh, important metrics that uh, uh, that you're following in the launch that, that, that could help provide um, uh, further insight? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Max mentioned many of the high-level metrics that we're, we're looking at right now, whether that be, you know, the amount of calls we're actually making on targets, what our access looks like in those targets, um, you know, the payer work that we're doing, um, you know, policies that we're following, et cetera. But, but I'll, in a, in a second, turn over to Max and see if he wants to add any more color. I think our promise to everyone is going to be that over time, as we're more than 23 business days into this, is to give more color, not just on um, what actual prescription trends look like and policy and coverage trends look like, but to also give give leading indicators that we think are important to look at. Um, we've given the ones today that, that we think are important this early in the game. Um, so, and on the, you know, the prescription trend front, I think just want to make sure everybody heard, heard what we said. I, I think while we're not giving exact numbers, you should feel comfortable that, that the trends we're seeing are on target with what our internal expectations have been with the, from, from day one and our access numbers in terms of, you know, seeing physicians live, albeit it's tougher in the academic centers is above target with where we expect it to be. So we feel good about things. We just think it's too early to throw numbers out there because those numbers I don't think would be indicative of, of, uh, really, you know, where we are so early. So anyway, um, Max, what would you add? I, I think you, I think you covered it, um, perfectly. I think, I think the only other thing that we're going to be watching very closely is, uh, as they develop blue kinase specific, um, coverage policies, you know, right now, we only we have one payer that's developed the blue kind of specific um, coverage policy, Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina, uh, and I'm sure you know many others will follow um, in the next months. Okay, great. Um, and then uh, just as a follow up to confirm, I heard this correctly, Max. Um, the um, total number of payers that uh, you're targeting have uh, an aggregated co coverage uh, of 190 million lives, I, I think you said. And with uh, the next couple of meetings coming up in a few days, um, total insured lives would represent 75% or about 140 million of that. Is that, is that correct? That the numbers will add to the to the 190. We have, I think, it's another 36 million lives lined up um, in terms of uh, these upcoming meetings. Okay. Uh, great. And then, uh, lastly, um, with the data coming up in the first quarter next year for Aurora 2, uh, just um, if you could remind us uh, what. Um, yeah, key data points you're looking for there, what you're expecting and, and what you're 
measuring. Thanks, Ed. Neil. You want to jump in? Just give the yeah, sure. detail. Yeah. So, so I think it should be um, should remind um, people that this is primarily a safety study. That was our commitment, um, and that's going to be the primary um, output from this from this trial. But clearly, there are other things we're going to look at as well, um, such as um, relapse rates in both arms. Um, uh, and obviously um, the stability of, uh, of, of renal function um, over the, uh, the three-year period, together with things like uh, compliance, whether people continue to stay on drug um, or not. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be going to produce a huge amount of very valuable data for us and the prescribers. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. We've reached the end of our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the floor back over to Peter for any further closing comments. Well, thank you, operator, and I want to thank you all for joining us on the call this afternoon. As you can see, 2021 will continue to be an exciting year for the company, and I'm looking forward to providing, we're looking forward to providing additional updates as our progress uh, continues over the next coming months. Thank you all for your continued support, and have a great evening. Thank you. That does conclude today's teleconference and webcast. You may just connect your line at this time and have a wonderful day. We thank you for your participation today. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.